Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment four, Sports Sense, my featured guest, Kevin Weiberg. He's the CEO of iHoops, which is a joint venture between the NBA and the NCAA aimed at educating young people in the United States the game of basketball. Nike and Adidas are on board as major sponsors of the program. iHoops.com launched this week. We'll talk to Weiberg about iHoops. Weiberg is the former commissioner of the Big 12 Conference. He also worked for the Big 10, helped them launch their new TV network. That's coming up in segment four. Kevin Weiberg, CEO of iHoops. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend or follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. You can link to the Facebook and Twitter pages. My handle on Twitter is at SBRadio if you want to check me out there. All right. Lots of things coming up in headlines. The World Series matchup is set. The World Series is underway. It's the Phillies and the Yankees. How are the ads selling on Fox? And how much are they selling for? We're going to tell you about that in our headline segment next. We're also going to give you the TV ratings for the NBA's opening night this past Tuesday night on TNT. How did those fare as compared to last year? And in segment three, well, you may not know, but I'm a publicist for a living. I'm in the PR game. I'm going to play publicist for Mark McGuire, the reclusive ex-slugger who was hired as the new hitting coach of the St. Louis Cardinals this week. Big Mac's going to be back in the spotlight come next season. How would I advise him to handle his re-entry into public life? I'm going to tell you about that in segment three of our show. But as I said first, coming up next, headlines sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headlines, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, it's the Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Yankees matching up in the World Series. It's likely going to be a ratings winner for Fox. Fox is nearly sold out of the ad time for the first five games of the World Series. And it's a matchup of top five TV markets. So whereas last year we had Philadelphia and Tampa Bay, Tampa, a small market. Now, anytime you have the Yankees, the Cubs, the Red Sox, the White Sox, a big market team in the World Series, it's a ratings winner for Fox. Philly going for back-to-back championships. It's a recipe for high ratings. This is all according to the New York Post, by the way. Now, they say $400,000 is what you can expect to pay for a 30-second spot during the World Series. Uh, AB InBev, DirecTV, GM, Apple. These are all big advertisers that you can expect to see during the World Series. Our next headline, a crowd of 84,254 jammed into historic Wembley Stadium last Sunday for the New England Patriots-Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. And it was a 35-7 win for the Patriots. Bobby, interesting, you know, the NFL has gone over to London a few years now. Last year, I believe, it was San Diego and New Orleans. The reception for this year's game was better. Obviously, 84,000 people coming to your game is great, but... If you looked at the news media and scanned the major newspapers in London, this game really didn't register with a lot of people. So while the game sold a lot of tickets, I don't know how much overall enthusiasm and buzz there was in London for the NFL. You know, I I really believe it's still a novelty over there. And one of my best friends works for the BBC, and he grew up in America and now lives overseas. He said nobody knew, really, the promotion inside London was basically non-existent for this game. And to draw 84,000 and impressive, just be glad they didn't send a team like the Lions over. You know, they would have been lucky to draw 15. Yeah, I mean, this is with Tom Brady. And Tom Brady even admitted that there were a lot of people over there that didn't really recognize him. So, And Tom Brady is an icon over here in the United States. I mean, look, when I've gone over to China, to the Philippines, when I've traveled abroad, the NBA by far... Those stars are more recognizable than any of the NFL or Major League Baseball players. So, interesting to see what the leagues are doing to grow their brands abroad. Our next headline, the NFL is definitely not a novelty here in the United States. Case in point, the Falcons-Cowboys game last Sunday earned a 16.8 rating, 28.4 million viewers, marking the network's most watched NFL Sunday regular season telecast. Since 29.7 million viewers tuned in for the Cowboys 49ers in November of 1996. So big ratings for Fox. My guess is that the Vikings-Packers game on Fox this Sunday will get even better numbers than this game we just told you about, Bobby. No, I completely agree. And I read somewhere that somebody had said that people were tuning in to watch Matt Ryan play and that... Fans of the Cowboys were tuning in to see what Tony Romo should be when he finally grows up to be Matt Ryan because, you know, Tony's had some issues this year, but great numbers, and we're really, really excited, though, to see what happens, though, come Sunday. Well, and these weren't just big sports numbers. These were big TV numbers. Second highest rated 
program on any network of 2009. The only program rated higher, besides the Super Bowl, of course, was the Academy Awards on February 22nd. That drew a 20.6 rating. So again, let's watch the numbers for Vikings Packers, and we'll have those for you on our show next week. Our next headline, we discussed this with Maury Brown from the Biz of Baseball last week. It's a topic that's getting uglier by the week. Former Los Angeles Dodgers CEO Jamie McCourt this week filed a divorce petition laying claim to half of the team and other assets controlled by her husband, team owner Frank McCourt. This according to Bill Shaken of the LA Times. Jamie McCourt and the petition claimed irreconcilable differences and asked for immediate reinstatement to her CEO job with the Dodgers. Her husband Frank, or soon-to-be ex-husband, fired her last week. Now, Frank McCourt countered with his own filing, asking the court to declare him the sole owner of the team at once and then handle the larger divorce case later. Jamie, in the filing, estimated the net worth of the couple at $1.2 billion and the value of the Dodgers, including the stadium and surrounding real estate, at $800 million. Jamie noted she has earned $2 million annually as CEO before her termination. Now, Jamie McCourt is asking for $487,000 in monthly spousal support if she does not return to her $2 million a year CEO job. But, Bobby, she's only asking for $320,000 a year or a month if she does return to her job. So, either way you slice it, Frank McCourt's in for some big checks to his ex-wife if he has to pay either one of those numbers. And, by the way split the value of the team, and California, as we pointed out last week, is a 50-50 state, so I'm no lawyer, but it looks to me on the surface like Jamie McCord has a pretty good case for half ownership of the Dodgers. No, she totally does, and you know, if I'm Frank McCord, I'm just going to you know, battle us to the end because you're looking at an additional $1.8 million if she goes back to work or if she doesn't. And do you want her working because that's less money you're going to have to cut her in the end. But I don't know if you want her working for your baseball team. Well, there's no way in the world that these two are going to be able to mingle and and work for the same team anymore. There's no way. So this is going to be a game where either Jamie McCourt buys Frank McCourt out, Frank McCourt buys Jamie McCourt out, or neither one can buy the other out and they've got to sell the team, as was the case with the San Diego Padres whose owners went through a divorce earlier in 2009. Read the L.A. Times. Bill Shaken is a terrific writer, and he's going to be covering this closely. There's some paperwork that may or may not have been signed, and this is going to be a tricky case. Keep our eyes on this closely. All right, our next headline. The NBA season opened with good numbers on TNT this past Tuesday. They averaged a 2.8 overnight rating. That's up 40%. From last year, the Celtics Cavaliers drew a 3.2 overnight rating. That's up 52% from opening night matchup between the same two teams. And then Clippers and the Lakers was up 19%. So, you know, the NBA was smart here, Bobby. They knew to do their opening night on Tuesday night. They didn't want to go head-to-head Wednesday or Thursday night with the World Series and with Fox. So I think they got it right by doing it on Tuesday night when there was nothing else really going on in the world of sports. Unless you count the NHL, which I don't really count. No, and the other thing is that they were really smart to put in some marquee matchups to kick off the season. It doesn't get any bigger on the East than Boston and Cleveland. 
You're right, and Boston showed. And don't forget, everyone, I've got the Celtics and Spurs in the finals. Spurs winning it. I'll say it again. I said it with Rick Buecher a few weeks ago. That's what I'm sticking to. And I think uh, Celtics look tough early on the first week of the season. Our next headline, the LPGA this week named Michael Wan as its new commissioner during a press conference at Madison Square Garden. Wan was a GM at North America TaylorMade Adidas Golf from 1995 to 2000. He's also worked as a brand marketer for Bright Smile and Procter & Gamble. Our last headline of the week, this is a shock. A vast majority of Division I FBS university presidents, about 85% of them, believe coaches' compensation is excessive in the context of higher education, but 56% of them said they are pessimistic about being able to control those escalating salaries. This according to the findings in a Knight Commission poll released this week. Bobby, we talk all the time on this show about college football, college basketball coaches, and their huge salaries. Obviously, this poll shows that presidents are concerned, but it was interesting because if you look at this poll closely, it shows that the presidents also say they don't know how much control they have because they've got alums and boards and people like that who pretty much outvote them. No, and it's true. And, you know, listen, the president of a university is responsible for overseeing the education and the whole package. He is thinking, first of all, of education. And so when he says, you know, money's kind of tight and, you know, why are we spending all this money? It's the amount of money that people are giving to the school. They can give it either athletically or academically presidents are always worried that they never have enough money coming in for books but you always have enough money coming in for the sports well i think salaries have gotten way out of control in college sports and if you look at a program like cal cal berkeley their athletic department is losing money hand over fist google that read those documents and see how much they're losing there so we talk all the time about the big athletic departments florida ohio state notre dame that are generating millions of dollars for their universities, but there are also other programs like at Cal Berkeley where the athletic department is a money suck. All right, coming up in our next segment, I'm a publicist when I'm not the host of Sports Business Radio. Mark McGuire hired as a hitting coach for the St. Louis Cardinals this week. How would I have Mark McGuire re-enter public life in his new role with the Cardinals? I'll tell you about that next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. 
for an in-depth analysis of the week's PR nightmare, Sports Business Radio presents Caught in the Crosslights. Well, when I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I run my own PR firm, and I've done that for the last 11 years. I worked for the Portland Trailblazers before that, also in PR. And I wanted to take the next few minutes to offer my unsolicited advice to one Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire was hired as the hitting coach of the St. Louis Cardinals this week. And Mark McGuire, since that infamous day on Capitol Hill, I believe it was March 17, 2005, when he said, I'm not here to talk about the past, and really stonewalled the people asking him questions, he's been a recluse. We've not heard much from Mark McGuire. Now, he's strongly under suspicion for using performance enhancement drugs. But keep in mind, when he may have used those drugs, they were not banned by Major League Baseball. And frankly, that's always been my problem with Mark McGuire. If Mark McGuire had sat up in front of Congress that day and just said, look, I used X, Y, and Z, performance-enhancing drug, but they were not banned by Major League Baseball. Did I make a mistake? Did I cheat by the spirit of the law but not the letter of the law? Yes, I did. If he had said that, basically people would have said, you know, he's right. He didn't cheat by the letter of the law, but he did cheat by the spirit of the law. At least he came clean. He admitted things. Okay, we're not going to chase this guy down anymore. Look at Jason Giambi. Look at Andy Pettit. Look at Alex Rodriguez. They had press conferences They addressed accusations. No, they didn't come completely clean like in the case of A-Rod, but at least they sat down and addressed the suspicions. Mark McGuire has not done that. And if he's going to be able to go back into the spotlight as the hitting coach of the St. Louis Cardinals, where there's going to be dozens of reporters around the Cardinals locker room every single game, He cannot continue to run and hide. And if he thinks he's going to be able to be in a high-profile position with a major league team and basically get away with no comment or I'm not here to talk about the past, I'm just the hitting coach of the Cardinals and I'll talk about that, it's a big mistake and it's one that's going to cost him at the end because the one thing, if you haven't learned about the media by now, is the more you run, the more they're going to chase you, the more they're going to dig. All you have to do is look at Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and others who continue to run from the media and not face their demons. We live in a forgiving society. This is a society where Kobe Bryant is back on top of the world. Marv Albert, most people don't remember his embarrassments with a woman from several years ago. Ray Lewis almost went to jail for murder, and now he's on the cover of video games and People don't talk about that anymore. Mark McGuire, on day one, needs to have a press conference, needs to address the media, and needs to say basically what I said a little bit earlier. I did not cheat by the letter of the law. Yes, I used substances X, Y, and Z, but they were not banned by Major League Baseball at the time. Did I make a mistake? Do I regret what I did? Yes, If he says those words, he falls on the sword, Bobby, 
I think that this story will go away. People will probably forgive him. People already are suspicious of him. It's pretty much a given that he used some performance-enhancing drug during his record home run binges and things like that. So, you know, it's the same thing with Bonds, but Mark McGuire now is going to be back in the spotlight. And I think if Bud Selig and if the St. Louis Cardinals, and unfortunately, Tony LaRussa is a big enabler, so he'll probably let McGuire do whatever he wants. I think if they let McGuire do whatever he wants and he doesn't address this, it's a big mistake, and it's going to be a cloud over Major League Baseball next season. No, and you know what? I guarantee that St. Louis will have an increased number of media now covering the team just to cover Mark McGuire. There's no doubt about it. And as a reporter, you're right. I am going to hound you until you give me the info that I need and I want. So come clean to start early. It will make your life a lot easier going forward. So, yeah, if he addresses this before the season starts, he has a press conference. He can sit next to Tony LaRussa or, you know, whoever and just come clean. He doesn't even have to take questions. But I would if I were him. Again, look at Andy Pettit. Look at Jason Giambi. Even Alex Rodriguez made a feeble attempt to address the accusations and the steroid use and all of that stuff. I don't see how Mark McGuire can go through next season unscathed unless he sits down and addresses those rumors. And... I just think that, again, Bud Selig, it's, it's scary to see Selig's comments this week. He spoke by telephone from his office in Milwaukee, and he says, I give Tony LaRussa a lot of credit, Chairman Bill DeWitt a lot of credit for making this happen, meaning the hiring of McGuire. I was and am very supportive of their decision. I wish everybody well. When Mark was there, I had a lot of affection and admiration for him. C-League, by all accounts, is not going to make it mandatory for Mark McGuire to address the media. Again, he's letting him off the hook. Why shouldn't he? If you think about it, after the 1994 lockout in Major League Baseball or the strike, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa brought people back to Major League Baseball. They were on the front page of USA Today. They were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They were on every nightly newscast with their record home run chase. And all the while, it brought people back to the ballpark, record attendance, lots of money for Major League Baseball. So do you really think that Bud Selig now is going to do anything to harm the goose that laid the golden egg or one of the geese that laid the golden egg in Mark McGuire? Probably not, but if he was presidential, if he were commissioner-like, he would. And I give the Yankees a lot of credit because the one thing you can say about the Yankees is that they did make it mandatory for Giambi, for Pettit, for A-Rod to face the music if they were going to wear the pinstripes anymore. And if I was the St. Louis Cardinals ownership, if I was Tony La Russa, if I was Bud Selig, I would say, Mark McGuire, you are welcome back to Major League Baseball with open arms. But before you put on that Cardinals uniform, You're going to have a press conference. We're going to address this once and for all, and you are not going to be a distraction to our team next season. If he is a distraction to the team, it's going to hurt them big time. Because, listen, like I said, as a member of the media, I'm going to walk past your locker if you're a player and head straight for the coach's locker room because I want to talk to Mark McGuire. And you know what? 
I'm going to live outside his doorstep. I'm going to follow the team on the road. And I'm going to start asking players questions. Hey, you know, has he told you anything? You know, what supplements are you taking? Did you find out about this for Mark? You know, I'm not just going to hound Mark McGuire. I'm going to hound every single player as well. Yeah. So we'll see how this turns out. But if I were Mark McGuire, if I were his publicist, order number one of the day would be scheduling a press conference to put this all behind me once and for all and address the past that you said you would not speak about in front of Congress in 2005. All right, coming up next, SportsSense, Kevin Weiberg. He's the CEO of iHoops. It's a joint venture between the NBA and the NCAA to really reshape youth elite basketball in the United States. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. In April of 2008, the NBA and the NCAA announced a five-year, $50 million venture called iHoops to create programs that provide consistent, high-quality basketball training and education for young people in the United States. Nike and Adidas are on board as major sponsors of the program. My guest is the man charged with overseeing this venture, CEO Kevin Weiberg. Weiberg was the commissioner of the Big 12 from 1998 to 2007. He's also been with the Big 10 Conference. He's a board member of USA Basketball and was a member of the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Committee from 2001 to 2003. Kevin, thanks for joining us this week on Sports Business Radio. Explain to our listeners why iHoops was created and what the organization hopes to achieve going forward. Well, I'm glad to do that. Um, thank you for the opportunity. We, um, we were formed uh, back in, uh, actually officially in May, by the NCAA and the NBA as a targeted initiative to um, try to bring some improvement to pre-collegiate basketball primarily in the United States, although our programming also reaches Canada as well. And um, a lot of the, the reasons for formation grew out of uh, concerns about some of the direction in pre-collegiate basketball, youth basketball generally, um, that while there are many positives associated with it, large number of participants, um, you know, it seems to continue to grow in terms of overall interest levels. There, there was also just, uh, in some cases, uh, kind of a lack of, of structure attached to it. There's, it, particularly in the non-scholastic area, there's no kind of unifying body for pre-collegiate basketball. 
And uh, because of that, um, you know, there have been some practices that have grown up that have been reported in many cases uh, broadly that aren't, aren't the greatest. You know, there's sometimes a lack of attention to skill development in the sport. Um, kids may be playing too many games. Um, um, a lot of folks involved in the coaching of pre-collegiate basketball that don't have um, much training. Um, all of those kinds of things, I think, led to the feeling that there was need for a targeted initiative, and the NCAA and NBA um, decided to put this venture together, iHoops, to um, see if we could address some of those things. Yeah, this is a really interesting combination of partnerships to me because, first of all, the NBA and NCAA didn't really have a history of a whole lot of communication. And then you've got Nike and Adidas, to my understanding, who are also joining you on this partnership with iHoop. So you're bringing some people to the table here that haven't had a history of having a whole lot of conversations. Well, that's true. In many ways, it is an historic partnership uh, because you're right, um, NCAA has not previously aligned with a professional sports organization. But I think as, as Miles Brand, the late NCAA president, really thought about the challenges in the sport, um, he recognized quickly that you know, there was a real need to um, reach out to NBA and build some bridges. And that as those dia- that dialogue just began with David Stern, there was, a, I think, a feeling that the two organizations had a lot of common ground. And there had been organizational meetings to discuss some of the challenges in the sport that uh, predated the formation of iHoops, and both Nike and Adidas were involved in those discussions. Both have been uh, real stakeholders in the development of the game and, and at the youth level. And so um, I think actually one of the suggestions for NCAA and NBA getting together um, came from um, Nike, uh, some of its leadership, and um, we're pleased that they have decided to work with us in trying to see if we can do some things here to improve the overall environment. Kevin, I spent a number of years consulting for Nike, and I've been around their elite youth basketball events, specifically the Nike All-America Camp, which doesn't exist anymore. So the summer camp landscape has changed. No more Adidas camps, no more Nike camps. Maybe you can explain now how you're going to bring kids together, because one of the things that I thought was a positive is that it did give young basketball players a platform to showcase their talents to Uh, potential NCAA basketball coaches. It also gave them some structure to keep some of them out of trouble during the summer months. How is that going to change going forward? Well, it is true that Nike and Adidas both have done some restructuring in terms of the the clubs they're funding, the events they're involved in. Um, They they both still do some things in so-called summer basketball during the live recruiting period where college coaches can be present to evaluate prospects. So both companies are, are still involved some, but perhaps not quite in the same way they were a decade ago. And um, Nike in particular, I know, is doing some things on the, the skill development front, which are actually quite positive with top players. But I think the emphasis has changed a little bit for the companies, uh, more in the direction of you know, le- perhaps less involved with, with big uh, club team tournaments and thinking more about um, sort of targeted initiatives. Um, What we're trying to do is to work with event operators and club operators in this space to model and encourage improvement. Um, We're we're certainly not, as as a separate organization, iHoops, 
wanting to get into the business of operating such events, but what we want to try to do is to promote best practices, to um, really try to work through existing groups that are doing these things to see if we can enhance and improve the environment in which they're operating. And certainly we, we hope that we, through iHoops.com, we can also um, do a good job of providing information and opportunities to parents and to players um, about programs that are operating in a manner that is kind of consistent with our ideals. So, um, you know, it's going to be a slow process, I think, um, but we, we think we can contribute in a positive way here. You launched iHoops.com this week. It's a fantastic site, just a wealth of information from blogs to utilizing social media to just lots of information about, like you said, organizing events, best practices, fundamentals, things like that. Uh, any feedback on the early returns as to how many people have visited the site in its initial uh, voyage this week? Well, it's still very early, and, you know, we have high hopes for traffic in the site, and we're going to have to see our advertising is just beginning to run. We had some courtside signage in last night's uh, Cavaliers-Celtics game, and I think we had uh, one commercial spot in, in Lakers-Clippers. We'll have more of that as it rolls out here over the winter and spring. Um, you know, we, we're just getting out of the box with this. So, you know, we knew we had some existing traffic that was coming to us from our partner in the site, Active Network, that operate, operated a basketball channel, Active.com Basketball. And, and you know, we're, we're gonna, we think we're going to launch here, um, you know, with numbers that are in the low hundreds of thousands range, and we hope to grow it from there. We'll, we'll get a better sense of that as the weeks go by. My guest is Kevin Weiberg. He's the CEO of iHoops. Kevin, you were formerly a commissioner with the Big 12. You've also been with the Big 10. How did those jobs prepare you for the seat that you sit in right now? Well, that's a great question. You know, I think that um, you obviously learn from every experience you have. This is, this is very much a, a CEO position, so having served as a conference commissioner, which is as well, um, I think is, um, you know, it's, until you've sat in that role and, and played that role, it, there's a learning curve that you go through. And so having done that, I feel like I've brought to the table um, some experience in running a business and managing people. Um, beyond that, though, I, I think that my experience in working in conference offices has given me a, a strong ability to operate in kind of a complex governance environment. And clearly with iHoops, even though it's a small company with a a board of directors. It also, um, you know, has two very big organizations that are the primary partners, investors in the in the venture, and that's the NCAA and the NBA. So, having some ability to kind of understand the nuances of working in complex governance environments, I think, helps a lot. When I went back to the Big Ten from leaving the Big Twelve, I also had an opportunity to work directly on the launch of the Big Ten's television network. And that helped me sort of expand my knowledge of uh, the media business and uh, in particular there had some opportunities to interact and work on some of the Big Ten's new media plans in the digital business. And so um, that certainly has been directly transferable to some of the work I've done here with iHoops and iHoops.com. Now you're working out of Indy with the uh, NCAA offices, is that correct? So, right. So we're based here in Indianapolis, but we have a separate office space from the NCAA headquarters. It, was, it made sense for the op, main office operation of iHoops to be in close proximity to the NCAA headquarters. We do a lot of interaction with NCAA staff, but we're a separate company. We're not inside the NCAA. 
And we actually have uh, nine of our ten employees, very small operation, here in the Indy office. And then we do have one employee who is based in New York inside the NBA office. Do you think this concept is unique to just basketball? Or could you see if iHoops took off that maybe there'd be, you know, iGridiron or, you know, something of that magnitude? Or is this unique to basketball in this country? Well, I think there are some similar ventures out there that have um, some related programming to what we're doing. I know that there is a USA football organization, for example, that has some support from the NFL that is doing some of the same kinds of things that we're doing, offering programs of coaching education and certification, for example. Um, this one is unique, though, as we discussed at the outset, in that the you know it kind of involves the primary governing bodies of the sport. Um, in the United States, um, in it very directly, and so it has, it has a little different feel to it, um, perhaps than some of the others that have grown up in different ways. Um, I'm, I'm quite certain there'll be a lot of folks watching the, to see how this venture goes, and um, gauging from that um, directions for the future. I do know there are companies engaged in multi-sport youth sports websites as well. But, um, again, I think this is somewhat unique in that it is a basketball-only venture. So um, we'll see. That, that's, one, that's a little hard to predict since we're just in our early stages here. Sure. And a lot of this will be based on, I'm sure, the, the success or lack thereof that we have. How often do you interact with your board and with the NBA and the NCAA? I see that uh, Duke coach and Team USA head coach uh, Mike Krzyzewski is on your board and Adam Silver, the deputy commissioner of the NBA, is also on your board. How much time do you interact with your board and with the NCAA and the NBA? Well, we've had um, some formal interaction with our board through a board meeting as recently as just about 30 days ago. That was our first formal board meeting. Um, We have been in frequent contact with our board leadership, um, Adam Silver of NBA and Greg Shaheen, the senior vice president for basketball at NCAA. And, um, you know, it's not uncommon for that contact to be almost daily in terms of, if nothing else, email contact. Um, there are other key members of the board who have played very strong, supportive roles, like Kathy Behrens, um, who is a vice president of the NBA and the social uh, social programs and player development area. So we're having quite a bit of interaction. There have been other NBA and NCA staff that have played helpful roles here for us, and and it's great to have that support. Kevin, last question for you. Uh, to my understanding, this is a five-year partnership between the NBA and the NCAA. At the end of the five years, what are the measuring sticks that you're going to use to determine whether or not iHoops was successful and whether you're going to continue uh, for more years down the road? Sure. Well, I, I, you know, there are obviously these things are still developing as we get started, but we do have some very specific goals in mind, you know, and some of these are quantitative in the sense that you can attach – some number expectations to them, but some of them are also qualitative. You know, it sort of goes to the to the um, perceptions and the information that is available um, compared to where it is today, um, to families and to players and and uh, you know folks that are interested in being involved in youth basketball. So you know, it runs the gamut really from um, inf- better information, more balanced information to to folks engaged in the game at, at the youth level, certainly to elite players, um, that, that not only talks about developing as basketball players, but um, provides information about the values of the game, the importance of educational attainment, uh, life skills, things like that. Um, so the, 
I think that goes sort of to the quality of programming we're able to offer in those areas and the information we're able to distribute. We're, we're very interested, of course, in developing a strong program of coaching education and, and certification. So in that area, not only does it kind of speak to the quality of that program, a measurement stick, but also to the number of coaches that we're able to certify over time. Similar program for officiating development. Um, and then I think, you know, we're going to have to see what kind of numbers we attract through iHoops.com in terms of the overall audience size and, and its growth over time. And that it will include things like the number of teams registering through iHoops.com, and um, that will be another measure in a way we can sort of see, you know, who's, who's following and who's um, participating in our programming. Um, certainly we want to have a positive impact on overall participation in the sport. So we can do some tracking of, um, you know, participation numbers broadly for boys and girls and have some gauge of that as we go forward. And related to that, you know, we'll be doing some very specific um, programming in areas like skills challenges for kids. And I think we'll be able to take a look at the number of participants we get through those events over time. And, and uh, so I think it's a combination, you know, it's a little bit of tracking numbers, but it also goes to sort of the qualitative, the quantitative piece rather, and qualitative piece, I'm sorry, and, and quality of programs and uh, how, how those programs are perceived. Well, and I think something you said earlier in the interview is going to be a measuring stick for you, and I know I'm going to be paying attention to it. Fundamentals for youth basketball players in the United States. When you talk about United States basketball, you're watching the Olympics and you're comparing us to the rest of the players around the world. That always seems to be the thing that's brought up. Our fundamentals aren't as strong here as players coming from other ends of the world. And I think what you're doing is terrific because hopefully it's going to increase fundamentals and show the importance of fundamentals and not just the sports center highlight with players growing up in the United States playing basketball. Well, that's right. You know, we we definitely are trying to put a focus in that area, and you know, we think there are, there are various ways to get at that. Certainly, helping to improve the quality of coaching can have an impact in that area, um, but also um, the information we're able to provide, and and doing that not only through our website, but through some targeted activities like you know, skills challenge events and clinics and camps, um, is a way we can have impact. And and you know, I think that's something that takes time, really, to to see an impact, but, but hopefully it can over several years. Well, iHoops.com, visit them today, and iHoops tweets. That's iHoops on Twitter, and they've already got a number of people following them, and I've linked to them from at SB Radio. So check them out. Check their website out. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us this week on Sports Business Radio, and the best of luck to you in the future. Thanks very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. 
With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Good information from the Sports Business Daily this week. Over the past 10 NBA seasons, the league has averaged 17,215 fans per game. Over that time, six new NBA arenas have opened, three teams have relocated, and there's been one expansion franchise that's been added. Who had the highest attendance on average? The Chicago Bulls, 20,891 people per game. And the Pistons were second, 20,186. Spurs third, 19,467, followed by the Knicks, 19,311. The Jazz, 19,234. Those are the top five teams. Who have the worst game attendance? The Atlanta Hawks, 14,536, are dead last. The Memphis Grizzlies, 14,659. And then the Charlotte Bobcats, 15,000. 128. Interesting numbers, courtesy of the Sports Business Daily this week. All right, lots of thank yous on our show. Kevin Weiberg, the CEO of iHoops. Thanks to him for joining us. Go to iHoops.com, check out their new venture. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, Morton's The Steakhouse and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. Follow me on Twitter, at SB Radio. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week on Sports Business Radio. Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses. I'm a big fan of the houses. Happy to help them make a difference. He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. A little change can make a big difference. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com.